Welcome to the Cracked Pots Podcast. I'm Pastor Rebecca. And I'm Pastor Chad. So we kind of missed last week because we were really, really busy with getting ready for our fall fest, rummage sale kind of stuff. So we didn't really talk much about the manna in the wilderness. And um, this week we have moved on to the call of Samuel. So a um, few items, I guess, to <laughs> there's, there's kind of a huge chunk of time. <laughs> Um, one of those chunks of time is uh, the entire book of like books of Joshua and Judges and Ruth. Um, Ruth being set in the time of the Judges, so it's kind of part of Judges as far as I'm concerned. It's sort of a counter story to the um, book of of Judges, um, and. As Pastor Chad mentions in his sermon this past weekend, the, the time of the judges was kind of a time of chaos um, of... Armageddon, well, anarchy, just... So the book of Judges yeah. starts out as this, this story kind of of the people doing... Um, kind of the right thing more or less and you know you you have early on you have a, a judge kind of like deborah who who takes over and and they're victorious fighting other nations or whatever well by the end of judges they've devolved into civil war so instead of fighting other people they're now fighting each other um and they're the, this kind of this loose system of like just sort of tribal it's people a, and, and it's almost like humanity's wired to fight Exactly. We're wired against peace. And, 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 and Judges goes through this whole cycle, um, the, this cycle of, and the, the people did evil in the sight of the Lord, and they followed other nations and did things the way other nations did them, and then they become oppressed because that's what other nations would do. Um, and then they would cry out to God for help. God would raise up a judge and then he would free them. They'd all be, yay, this is awesome. And then start the cycle all over again. And they did evil in the sight of the Lord, blah, 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 blah. And this cycle goes throughout the entire book of Judges. And by the time you're getting to the end of Judges, there, it, it repeats a couple of times and everyone did what was right in their own eyes. Meaning, you do you. You do you, I'll do me, and we'll just do. And unfortunately, a lot of times those are competing things. And guess what that leads to? Civil war. Um, so, like I said, they, they kind of start out fighting other nations and, and, and the Canaanites, and they end up almost completely wiping out the tribe of Benjamin. Um, and then being confused as to why one of their 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 tribes was almost wiped off wiped off the face of the planet. They get really confused about that, um, which I always find really really interesting. And <laughs> um, and, and and that's kind of the 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 setup then that we get for the beginning of First Samuel. Um, R Ruth isn't in, in between there, but Ruth, like I said, is part of the time of the judges, and, and Ruth is supposed to be the story about the, the um, righteous foreigner, the, the Moabite, the person from the outside who actually kind of comes in and winds up being David's great-great-grandmother, which we'll talk about later um, in terms of King David. That's going to be this weekend's sermon, so I'm not going to jump ahead to that, but that's what sets the stage for for first Samuel is is this time of of these judges and sort of this chaos and this de devolving into corruption and violence and um, civil war and everything else that's going on and that is eventually going to lead them to what's going to come this week which is the the call for a king but First, we have the call of Samuel, yeah, and the I think, prophet. I think you know, the reality is this whole idea of, you know, everybody does what they want, that sort of thing. Mm -hmm. It's not biblical. Well, it is from the standpoint of what happens. Yeah. <laughs> it's not good, it's, but it's, it's what happens. It is, it is, you're right. It is from a standpoint of what humanity does. It is not biblical in the sense of what God prescribes or what Jesus prescribes. Right. Like... It's, so it's not just a Jesus thing, and it's not just a God thing. It's in both testaments. 
the Old and the New Testament. You know, the idea that, um, well, this is, this is what fits me. This is what suits me. This is, so therefore, this is what I'm going to do. Um, it's not scriptural in well, a sense that it's yeah. not what God prescribed. Go back to the Cain and Abel story, am I my brother's keeper? Right. And, and the answer to that question, by the way, is yes. Yeah, right. <laughs> and, and, right. And, and it's... When we talk about... When I hear people lament about all that's wrong with the world, and there's lots of lamenting about all that's wrong with the world. And I think for me, you know... We've heard a lot lately about individual freedoms. What's well, my right? It's my freedom. It's my right. Um, and you know, if if we're if we're being honest, and if we're, if we're looking at scripture, your freedom, your right, is secondary to the collective, right? To you know, my brother's keeper, um, to my neighbor, um, and I know that's really hard. It's a really hard concept, and it's really challenging. Especially here in the United States, where we are very much based on individualism. Right. And um, that, that kind of was one of the founding principles was, was individualism. Yeah. And, and I think that's where, you know, oh, man. I should probably, Be careful. I should Be prob- careful. I should probably shut up six minutes in and just, like, turn my microphone off and, and you know, go take a nap or something. Um, but, I, I mean, the reality is that's... That's where, you know, we're really falling short as, as, as a society. And, and I, don't, I can't speak to Europe or South America or, you know, Central. I, I can speak for, you know, my part of the world and, and I can observe my part of the world. And I think one of our struggles right now as it relates to society and, and faith is... We really, it's not about people not praying in school anymore. And it's not about, it's not about the Bible not being taught in school anymore. Because I hear this from people who, who read scripture um, and people of faith that are on, on the same talking about individual rights. And again, I, I say this again as something that's really challenging and something for us to really wrestle with. And, and, I, and, I, and I do, I, I, I get it, I understand it. But scripturally based, it's about the collective. Yep. It's about the collective. It's, it's a communal. Um, Scri- scripture is, is all about the, the, the communal, how we live together. Um, that is the, I mean, from literally day one of, of Adam and Eve and how do you live together? Um, yeah. And, and how, how does that shape and that we are we were created to be communal. We were created to help one another. We were created to right. um, live in society in which we we help each other out and and do those kinds of things. And I'm um, and and when when God, you know, takes the Israelites out of of Egypt and and you know and they spend their forty years wandering around in the wilderness and having to rely on God and all that kind of stuff. And then they wind up in Israel. I know I've mentioned this before, but, you know, the, the idea was they were going to be something different. Right. They were not going to be, or at least this is God's vision, was they were not going to be like other nations. They right. weren't going to have this hierarchy. They weren't going to have the... Um, uh, an elite class. So, so Christians... Christians right. are supposed to stand out from society. We're supposed to stand out for society because of how we engage the world, how we act in the world um, through love and grace and caring for one another. Right. Like that's, like that's God's over, overarching vision, so to speak. God's plan, God's dream, God's desire for, for God's people. Right. And recognizing, yes, we're sinful and, and it, it, you know, we all drop the ball. We, we all drop the ball upon occasion um, and at times where, um, you know, maybe we should have done more or been better or done something X, Y, and Z in terms of, of how we care for people. Um, but 
the calling itself doesn't change. Um, right. I mean, the reality being when we realize we've dropped the ball, it's we need to repent <laughs> and, you know, work on, you know, okay, so how do we fix this? How do we make this, this you know, a much more um, communal kind of situation as opposed to, you know, individuals? And, 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 I, and I say that, I say what I said earlier, um, with the understanding that some, of the, so, some are going to hear that and go, man, Pastor Chad is so unpatriotic or Pastor Chad does not like love his country, blah, 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 blah. It's actually not true. I do. Um, I, so I love, I love scripture more. I, I mean, I think, I think I'm called more. So, if I, so how do I identify myself? Do I identify myself as a Christian or do I identify myself as an American first? You know, which takes, you know, for me, it's, it's, it's the Christian piece. Um, not, again, not that I don't love our country, not, you know, none of that. But I, 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 you, you just become aware of, of the shortcomings. I love what our, the ideals our nation was founded on. And a lot of the, a lot of the ideals our nation was founded on were, were laid out as Christian principles. You know, justice, right? So justice, equity, those sorts of things. And they're just not lived out. They're not always lived out. And right. I think that's where, that's where I struggle. Um, yeah. And, and, you know, again, it's that identity piece, um, of how do I identify myself? Um, am I an American Christian or am I a Christian living in America kind of thing? And, and, yeah. you know, and I mean, it's a, it's a subtle distinction, but, um, and, it's and it can get you into dangerous territory as a pastor um, talking yep. about this. Yep. Because immediately there is that, um, especially in the volatile kind of world we're living in right now, in the political world. Yeah. Um, it, it it's actually very controversial for us to say no. You're you're number one. Um, if you're a Christian, your number one allegiance is to God and what God wants, and. Um, and and to be what you know, follow Jesus to do the things Jesus says, and and let's face it, things Jesus wants us to do are really hard, and they can really rail against how our society is structured and how it functions and how we like things and how we like to live. Well, um, I I mean the, the the text from this week, Samuel, you know Samuel was basically grew up with Eli, not as his birth father, but... I mean, it's his mentor. Basically and, yeah. his mentor, father figure. I, 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 would, ima- I, I, I would view that as a father figure relationship. Uh, basically, he's much closer to Eli than he was going to be to his own parents, who his mother would, uh, like, once a year, I think, right. visit and bring him right. things. Right. Um, so I don't know that he had a, you yeah. know, that, that kind of an upbringing at yeah. all, at least not from what we glean from Scripture. Um, the, the parents weren't super involved in his, his being raised. It was Eli. Yep. And, and God, God says, hey, guess what? You know, calls Samuel in the middle of the night, says, uh, so you're going you're gonna to be the messenger of my rebuke against... That's hard. Yeah, because Eli's um, sons in particular had, had been doing bad things. Um, and that... You know, they, they were blaspheming against the Lord. They were, if, if I remember right, I'd have to go back and look, but if I remember right, it was, it was things like they were, um, let's just say, taking advantage of the women who served in the tent of, of, at Shiloh that was the tabernacle. Taking advantage of, that's an yes. interesting way to put it. Um, <laughs> and they were taking the sacrifices and choosing the best parts of the sacrifice for themselves as opposed yeah. to offering it to God and yeah. blah, 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 blah. And, and, and God got a little bit fed up with that. And so both of, of Eli's sons wind up actually dying in a battle and the ark is, is captured in that battle. And Eli literally falls over in his chair and breaks his neck at the news. Um, yeah. of both the death of both of his sons and um, the capturing of the Ark um, by the Philistines, which planned to... Um, it, what winds up then happening is that the Ark becomes a, a vessel of what sounds like the bubonic plague. 
to the Philistines. And so the Philistines do wind up actually giving it back to the Israelites because they're like, this thing brought us nothing but death and it's destruction. Like so yeah, so you take it because um, we don't want it anymore. But, you know, that that's... It, these complex relationships of Eli obviously loves his sons. He's not doing anything to fix the behavior of his sons, even though God has sent Samuel to tell him, you didn't do anything about your kids. And now they are a problem. And therefore I have this against you and bad things are going to now come because of this. Right. And now the question, of course, being, so is this God smiting or whatever? Or is it natural consequences of just when you let these kinds of things go down, just ultimately bad things wind up happening when you allow them to continue to kind of snowball yeah. um, into, into those kinds of situations. And, you know, we, we've talked before about, you know, God's smiting and <laughs> God's wrath and, you know, plagues and, and all that kind of stuff that seems so prevalent in the Old Testament. And this is going to be kind of another example, I guess, of that where it's this punishment of Eli and his sons. But again, I always look at it as, but a lot of it is just natural consequences. Right. You know, a lot of it is just when you live this kind of life, guess what's going to happen? Catches up. Yep, it will catch up eventually. So I I kind of talked on two different points. One, voice of God, what does the voice of God sound like? Right. Um, And the other point, God God calls um, average people, average at best, um, to do God's work. So it's not, it's not, we're not exempt if we don't feel we're extraordinary people. Um, God makes us that way and God prepares us and, and walks with us. Um, and actually, I think this week my, my sermon varied, the ending of my sermon varied a good bit between the three services. Um, kind of bailed on the iPad at the end and just, um, <laughs> so to speak. Um, that's a technical sermon that's term. That's a technical sermon term when you go. Yeah. Um, and it was really interesting. So I asked the question, you know, what does the voice of God sound like? And some services I got, like, people just looked at me and I'm like, seriously, like, you haven't watched any movies or uh, other, others they were able to offer up. So, the, so w- what came up was James Earl Jones, uh, that type of booming voice. And we determined, I determined, I should D- say. We. Does, so I have one question, though. Is there a movie where James Earl Jones actually does the voice of God? I don't think so. Okay, because that was my one thing. I was sitting there thinking. Yeah, of I don't course. think so. I'm sitting there going, so what movie actually had James Earl Jones doing I mean, the voice of God? I mean, it's Darth Vader. Yeah, <laughs> not the same. I am your father. I think, I think for me, that's why. I think that one line from Star Wars, Luke, I am your father. father and and yeah. God the Father. And you know, James okay. Earl Jones has okay. that very powerful... Got it. Voice. Okay, that's and, the and, and I guess in my head, that's where that connection comes from. I mean, I'm like from. sitting there going, okay, Darth Vader, Mufasa. I, uh, yeah, you know, I don't know that. You know, the, I'm not aware of James Earl. The Tom Clancy Earl. movies. I'm like. Yeah, I'm not aware of James Earl Jones voicing God, but damn it, he should. Or, or the Sam um, Lott. Right. Um, <laughs> great movie. You know, so, so James Earl Jones, sorry, wasn't actually a Hollywood thing specifically. Uh, Morgan Freeman okay. from Bruce Almighty. Bruce Almighty, yep. Uh, George Burns. Yep, from Oh God. From Oh God, You Devil. Um, I think there are two movies. I think there's, I, I think oh, there's God oh God and, and there's Oh God, God, You Devil. Devil. With John Denver, you know. Yeah. Um, and those were kind of the three that, that came out. Yeah. Um, I think I mentioned Charleston Heston. Not that that was the voice of God, but... Cecil B. DeMille was the voice of God. That was the voice of God, yep. Yes, yes. Cecil um, B. DeMille was the voice of God in, yeah. in the Ten Commandments. Yeah. So I, I found it really interesting that a lot of the voices um, are black. I thought that was, a, and again, just an interesting nuance. Mm-hmm. Um, I, and I, you know, we talked about the different natures of different facets of God. So, you know, for me, James Earl Jones, I do not find comforting. His voice, frankly, scares the hell out of me. <laughs> um, like, can you imagine being James Earl Jones' kid and like getting in getting trouble? In trouble? Woo, man. But he has such, um, a, when he does laugh, it is such oh, a... Oh, his laugh is belly awesome. Belly laugh is awesome. Yeah, like I, one of the reasons I love the movie Field of Dreams, not only because of baseball, because of James Earl Jones' character, it is just 
Yeah. Awesome. Again, narrates. Um, and maybe that's why, because he narrates a lot of movies, so you don't always see him on screen. Right. But you hear him, and then maybe that's how the God thing... Anyway. Um, so I determined <laughs> that James Earl Jones was like the God of damnation. Because like if, if, if God is going to rain judgment down in a voice, I hear that deep James Earl Jones. And I know that's a crappy impersonation. Sorry. Yeah. Um, and then I determined that you know, Morgan Freeman has that kind of comforting and soothing voice. And you know, maybe Morgan Freeman is the voice of God in, you know, in those comforting moments to try and you know, make you, you, know, bring you bring you comfort, bring you peace. Um, and all that stuff was fine until I asked the question, um, could God's voice be a female? that was really divisive. Like, there were some people that were shocked at that insertion. There are other people that were absolutely like, yeah, why not? Of course, it's God. God can do whatever God wants. Yeah, well. Uh, so I thought it was funny. Some people said, God can do whatever he wants, speaking in a female Good voice. And I'm like, well, got it. Um, <laughs> but like, you know, so then I, so then, again, as I'm writing my sermon and I kind of like lived out this dialogue a little bit with the congregation, I started to think about all the ways in which media, because we live in such a media world, whether it's, you know, TV, movies, radio, well, music. Well, media is not a new invention. Right, 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 right. Media, art. Right. Yeah. And I, and I thought, you know, how, in how many ways has media in, you know, some shape or form formed so many of our, the pictures in our head and our, and our ideals about who and what God and or Jesus is, or just scripture in general. Or just things you, we, we insert into the story. Like, right. Like how many wise men are there? Right. Like how many wise men are there? Uh, you're, you're now saying, well, there's three. Duh. Well, it doesn't say that. It says that they brought three gifts, but it doesn't say how many men there were. So we're assuming that each one brought something. And yep. that, I mean, there, have been, there may have been some slackers that didn't bring anything. Who knows? Um, <laughs> you know, sure. <laughs> The guy that shows up to the dinner party without the bottle of wine or whatever. I mean, I, there had to be that guy back then too. Um, you know, Pastor Rebecca's famous question, what is the fruit? Yep. What is the fruit in the Garden of Eden? And everybody yells, apple. And, you know, she is very pleased to point out that, you know, <laughs> apples are not indigenous. And it was some hoity-toity. Yep. Now, you can find apples in the, in, in the, in the Near East and, indigenous. and that area. Now, but indigenous. it was not indigenous at that time. Uh, apples were more of a, a European product that well, was imported. Where was the Renaissance painting taking place? Oh, gee. Hmm. Hmm. It was in Europe. Dude looked out his window and was like, huh, I bet they took an apple. That's awfully tasty. Yes. Or er, was not an apple. Likely, very, 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 very unlike. I mean, I guess God could do anything and God could make it an apple there if God wanted to, but it's unlikely it was an apple. Uh, but again, in our head, it's an apple. And so this idea, because God is, is, you know, almost exclusively considered male in our, in our Hollywood and our media. Well, and know, our depictions even of Jesus right. are, are very influenced by the art we have hanging around. Yep. Um, and a lot of them have him with blonde hair, blue eyes, which I'm fairly certain was not the case. Um, not likely. Not, not in the, the area of, of ancient Israel slash Palestine area. Um, that region, you're not going to come out with blonde hair, blue eyes very often. Right. Um, so... But that still tends to be, let's put it this way. We tend, God created us in God's image. Yep. We tend to then turn around and create God, Jesus, et cetera, in our image. Yep. And, oh, well, it's a reflection of me as instead of us being somehow a reflection of, of God. And, you know, and I know, you know, people, you know, don't, understand why the voice of, of God could ever be be feminine um, the, the the Holy Spirit um, is actually a female in, in the Greek and and the Hebrew the word for spirit all that kind of stuff is all is all female actually those right. those those words are are female words 
um, as is wisdom, Sophia, um, is a, a feminine term. So there's, there's a feminine side. And if you actually go and read Genesis 1 and the creation of humanity, um, before you get to the Adam and Eve story is when you get the actual creation of humanity and the kind of more overarching cosmic. And it says, and God created them male and female and created both in God's image. And so we are both male-female reflections of God and, and that God is the embodiment of male and female. And there are several places where, you know, Jesus uses mother imagery, mother hen, yep. um, to talk about God. Um, now, title-wise, yes, Jesus ut utilizes the term Abba, Father, um, but there are also places where, where there's a more kind of feminine sort of arena, let's put it that way. And we don't need to get into the whole, I, I don't know that, no, I'm going no. to definitively say we don't want to get into the whole discussion in this format right now on gender. No, no, we're not going to go there. But, sort of but just the point being is yes. that there's, there's um, definitely scriptural evidence that there is a feminine quality to God. Right. And it, so, and it's interesting, you know, you're, you mentioned the Trinity. So Father, Son, Father, Son Holy right, Spirit. God, Jesus, Holy yep. Spirit. And the Holy Spirit is distinctively female. Like, mm -hmm. like in, in, um. So Michelangelo's painting um, in the Sistine Chapel, it's very interesting. There's, there's God creating Adam. And in that image of God creating Adam, God also has his arm around a woman and a child. Hmm. This got pointed out to me in my wisdom class. I'll be honest, Diane I've never Jacobson. really looked at it that closely. Well, again, this is art. Yeah. This is, and, and there are some theological things that wind up in art that are beyond just our, oh, look, it's the God touching Adam's finger kind of thing. Yeah. If you look at that broader picture, first of all, it actually outlines a brain and a brainstem. It's kind of interesting. But <laughs> um, the, 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 the now how that actually gets interpreted, this is also the beauty of art along with scripture, is it is always subject to interpretation. What right. I see in it, what other, somebody else sees in it, they're, they're going to come away with some different things. But in that particular image and picture you have you have god with his arm around a woman and then also around a, a child and so there are some that are going to be saying oh well that's mary and that's jesus or that's eve and you know and and whatever um but another interpretation is it's wisdom the holy spirit and jesus mm. and so it's the trinity that he's portraying now obviously wow. this is artist depiction Right, that's interesting. Yeah, which, you know... And the, and the Trinity is a really hard concept for people to grasp. Right. And, and when I say people, I, I include myself in people. Like, I understand it. I, 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 understand the, I understand the idea behind it, but it's hard to fully understand this three-in-one... Well, in the right? ancient Near East as well, there was always this idea that, okay, so you had a male god like Baal, but Baal always had a female consort, Asherah. That there was always a, a counter, uh, a female counter to the male side of whatever it was. So, I mean, even if you want to start getting into, you know, Taoism, Taoism, whatever you want to call it, you know, there's yin and yang and whatever. There's, you know, kind of the two sides. But um, there is that, that notion embedded kind of deep within um, all religions uh, of... Of there are two, that th th there's both a male and a female element to the divine. Um, if you get into Hinduism, of course, you have male, female um, gods and goddesses and, and things like that. And so there's always this, this sort of doubling kind of thing. And not probably a popular thing to say, but. It, um, based on archaeological discoveries and things like that of studying ancient Israel, is at least for a time there is the belief that even the Israelites believed Yahweh, God, 
had some sort of female consort mm-hmm. that may have been sort of Asherah-like kind of, you know, thing, which is, you know. Um, we, Diane Jacobson at Luther Seminary, back when she, before she retired, she was my wisdom literature instructor, and she kind of went through all of, all of that information and stuff and it was it was all very uh, just things I had never you never see you never think about because it's just that that delving in and there's so much more to kind of go into there and I'm just we're not going to get into it in a podcast but (laughs) just the the female imagery for God that is is embedded in scripture that we just even the tree of life is supposed to have been um kind of a female sort of understanding that eventually you get the menorah that stands in the temple of God and whatever, that this was all, again, kind of tying back to that, that notion of, of the female side, um, which, of course, what does the menorah represent in the temple? The ark. No. No, no the ark is the ark. Oh, no. What 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 does the, the what, what do the flames the candles, what do those represent? The spirit of God. That's the the candles the menorah that's all representative of the spirit of God, and again so that spirit has female connotations to it, and you know, um, so that question can the voice of God be female? Well, does how does God speak to us? Most of the time. To say it's usually through people. And? The Holy Spirit. There you go. Right. So if the Holy Spirit is what is active, guess what? The voice just might come out sounding sometimes through a female voice. Yeah. I, and again, I, I think that, I think there's a lot at, a lot of play. And I don't want to just blame medium, you know, Renaissance paintings and all that stuff. I don't want to blame just that. But... I think that plays a role, but I think also there's, let's be honest, there's some misogyny involved. Um, well, the Bible was written, you know, Scripture was written by, right. by the patriarchy. It was written by, right. by men, so right. of course you're going to have <laughs> that right. slant, that spin, sure, whatever, sure, you know, sure. that, that is what... And, it, and, it's, and it's kind of carried over. And, yeah. and, and again, I think we have a hard time conceptualizing things that are more amorphous. So, I mean, like, we have to be able to put God in some un- understandable box, right? Mm-hmm. Um, so, we I, have to assign gender. So, we have to assign, we have to assign lots of things. We have to assign gender. We have to assign, like, what God, you know, looks, again, Michelangelo. You know, Michelangelo is like, oh, that's what God looks like. Well, that's his interpretation of what God looks like. But God was also a burning bush, for God's sakes. Yep. Like, God appeared to Moses in a burning bush. What Michelangelo painted did not look like a burning bush to me. No. I'm just saying, it just didn't look like a burning bush. So again, I think, I think we want to be able to put things in neat little boxes so it fits and it makes sense in our head. Mm-hmm. And I, I think we limit God so much when we do that. Yeah. Um, well, and to be fair, just to be fair to Michelangelo, I, I know where I got the old, old man image. Um, if you read like the book of Daniel, the ancient of days is, you know, sure, sure, ancient, sure, sure. white hair, is how it's described. Yeah. So I get where, well, he, gets, every, where, where every, he gets that image. Yeah, and every cartoon, to be fair. Gr- every cartoon growing up yeah. that has God in it, God, it's the, it's the old white dude. Yep. With the white long beard and white blah, 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 blah. Like, it's never a bald dude either. Did you ever notice that? It's never, God's never bald. God always has like, it's white be white, but long flowy white hair and a big, huge beard, never clean shaven. Like God couldn't just go, oh, shaved. <laughs> I mean, come on. Um, but, I, you know, so I, I just, like, I think it's really interesting, but, I think it highlights for me that that wrestling this weekend um, was really kind of a struggle because we want to be able to put that box, kind of put God in that box. Um, and God doesn't fit in a box. Like God just doesn't fit in a box. And I, I think that you know, to take that, that whole God in a box analogy, we also... Th- Excuse me. We also think that we have to be a certain way, or or look a certain way, act a certain way, or whatever, in order to do God's work. Um, you know, there's a really, really interesting cartoon, um, and it shows this big biker guy, 
Um, and it, basically, so it's like a couple people that, that appear to be like churchy people. And there's this big biker guy. And the thought bubble is like the biker guy, the biker guy praying or something like that. And the other ones are, you know, whatever they're doing is not Jesus-y. Um, but, but again, it doesn't necessarily fit what we determine, what, it, what we believe the narrative to be. Mm-hmm. And I, I think, you know, Moses, Moses now we go, oh, well, of course Moses was, was, was God's messenger. Not before God made Moses God's messenger. Right. You know, look at Saul. Saul was not a messenger for Jesus, at least not in a positive way. He was delivering people there quicker. Right. He was speeding up production. Yeah, he was, he, you're going to go meet Jesus real quick now. <laughs> yeah. Um, and till, and now we go, man, Paul's wonderful. That Paul guy. Like, okay, so imagine like. He wrote half the New Testament. Right. I mean, like, like imagine like, like the church dinner. Oh, that Paul, that Paul, he is just, he is such a, he is so precious. That Paul, he's just, nice he's just, boy. he's just bringing, bringing people to church. Well, he, Paul wasn't bringing people to church until the Holy Spirit intervened and turned Saul into Paul. But we put those limits on to say, well, that can't be it. Man, that's frustrating. And I do it too. Yeah. We all do it. And in terms of, you know, putting, putting limits and stuff on, I, going back to what the, um, what the voice of God sounds like, Sounds like a cough. Yeah, that's sorry, what the voice of God. Like cough. Um, voice, voice of God. What, what does the voice of God sound like? Um, and, and in our story for this week, past weekend was, you know, the Lord's calling out Samuel, Samuel, and so of course he runs into to Eli. So here's here's my question: If your kid comes running to you multiple times and says, "So I keep hearing someone calling my name, Daddy." What's your first response going to be after this happens three or four times? Is it going to be, oh, we'll go in and say, Lord, your servant's listening. <laughs> so real life story, um, not my son coming into my room. Um, when Camden was young, him and I lived in an old house um, and we were on the second floor and he was asleep. I was upstairs. I woke up and heard a voice. So my first instinct is, I got to see who's in the house. Like, I got to make sure the house is safe. So I grabbed a baseball bat because that was upstairs. And I'm walking down through the house, and I walk through the living room. And as soon as I step through the doorway to the living room, or from the doorway from the living room slash playroom where all Camden's toys were to the kitchen, I hear, to infinity and beyond. <laughs> yep, it was a Buzz Lightyear doll. Oh. Yeah, so I'm not saying There's that... There's a snake in your yeah, boots. Yeah, luck, yeah. <laughs> Woody. Yeah, luckily it was Buzz Lightyear. Um, to infinity and beyond. <laughs> so, <laughs> funny story about being woke up. Right. Um, but, th- you know, there's... My kids... My kids, they are in and out of our bedroom. They've been pretty good, knock on wood, because they've been pretty good at not coming in on a regular basis lately. Getting a little older, too. Yeah, I had a nightmare or whatever. I have to pee or I have to, you know, whatever. Need a um, drink of water. Need a drink of water. Um, Christmas is always fun. Well, Christmas Eve. The, the way the house is now, it's not so bad, but I, but I know, you know previous house setups, is it time to get up yet? Did Santa Claus, come, you know, that whole thing. And your first reaction is go back to bed. Yeah. So like, I give Samuel a pass on, I mean, I give Eli a pass on those first couple. Right, right. But um, my, my question being, though, the, the, after the third time, are, are, is your instinct to say, oh, it's God talking to you. Go listen. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> and I, I think I would, I, I don't think it would be. I think I would be like, okay, so let's go investigate. Because it and says the word of the Lord was rare in those days, yeah. meaning God wasn't just talking right. to anybody anywhere. At like we don't even really know if God spoke to Eli, right? Um, in any 
uh, type of fat. Obviously, God didn't want to have a direct conversation with Eli for some reason. That's, that's a thing. That's a um, thing. God was not having direct conversation with Eli. He was sending Samuel to do do the um, do the deed, um, which brings us some other interesting questions we won't delve into. Right. But <laughs> uh, but I, I mean I, I don't have kids. But I think, you know, if I did, I don't know that my first instinct or thought, especially when it isn't really a common occurrence, nope. um, is going to be, oh, you know what? I'll bet that's God. Now, granted, we aren't living in a temple or the tabernacle, I guess. we call it, They call it the temple, but it was actually the tabernacle because the temple had not yet been built. It doesn't get built until Solomon's day. Yeah, I, I, to answer but, that question, I, I would not instruct my kids to go listen for God. Yeah, I mean, it would not odd. be, and maybe that makes me a crappy pastor. I don't know. But my first reaction would not be, well, it's, 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 it's Jesus talking to you or it's God talking to you. Um, now, if you get a little more information, maybe, but I mean, you know, run it into the room. Hey, here I am. Well, your kid has an imaginary friend. I had one. Troy. Cool. Troy was my imaginary, I was an only child. Troy was my imaginary friend and I cannot. I did not have an imaginary friend. I had Troy. I had a bolder brother, though. Yeah, I did. So that I had, probably... Was... I had Troy. Troy was my man. I'll tell you some, some Troy stories off the air. <laughs> Something tells me Troy got you into trouble. Troy got me in some trouble. <laughs> the things that Troy used to say. <laughs> um. <laughs> so, you know, that, the, the, the old image of the, you know, the cartoons of the angel and the devil. And <laughs> yep. And, and I, th- I, think, I think, you know... To kind of play that out, like, what does God call us to do now? Because God doesn't just call us to easy things. God doesn't just say, hey, Well, but smile. to be fair, every once in a while, there is an easy thing. So Correct. Naaman, Naaman, the story of Naaman, um, when, I think it's Elisha, um, they, they, it's either Elijah or Elisha, I think it's Elisha, but anyway, Naaman has leprosy or something and, and wants to be healed, and, and Elisha tells him, um, you know, well, just go take a bath in the Jordan River. Jump in the river. Jump in the river. And, and Naaman's like, no, that's too easy. I have to do something more difficult. Yeah. And it's like, well, no, just, just do this and it'll be fine. You know, this is, this is what you're being told to do. Just go do it. Yeah. It's like, but no, that's too easy. So, I mean, there's this, this, this balance of, on the one hand, um, God calls us to do things that are usually really hard because they either, yep. they either fly in the face of what our society is telling us to do. Um, and you have to buck society, buck the system, buck all of that kind of stuff. And we're reluctant to do that because that can get us into trouble. Um, we can lose careers. We can lose all kinds of things. We have a lot to lose. Yep. Um, when, when we decide to do those kinds of things and, um, and, and follow that calling. Um, and, and other times, you know, the calling is what God is asking us to do can be much more simple. Where it's just a simple, you know what, um, I just want you to go visit this person and it winds up being this wonderful blessing. You know, maybe it's something you're like, oh, you know, I really don't want to go do this. Then you go do it and it's like, oh, wow, you know, I'm really glad I did this. Um, That happens to me a lot where, you know, it's like I don't have the energy for X, Y, or Z, but then I go do it and I'm really glad I did it. Yep. Uh, Which honestly was a lot of times um, before I became a pastor, going to church. Mm -hmm. Going to church on Sunday morning, getting up and being like, I don't know if I'm in the mood for this. I never went to church and regretted going to church after it was all said and done, ever. Yeah. And I knew it. And I was like, I know. And I, same way with exercise. That's, that's exactly where same I went to. Same way with same exercise. Way, I never regret, well, I regretted like the day or two after when you're so <laughs> sore and you can't move. Like, oh my God, what, the, what was I thinking? But you're right. Like, exercise is that other thing. It's like, man, I... I'm just too tired. I'm not in... But if you, if you get yourself to do it, it's like, man, I, I actually feel better. Yeah. Again, the soreness afterwards. But if you do it enough, guess what? Uh, you know, yeah. It gets a darn sore. If you're, yeah, I was going to say if you're conditioned and whatever, it's, you don't have that problem. It's just a matter of, okay, I need, I need to take 30 minutes and do it. Yeah. And, and just do it. Um, and I feel seen and heard and indicted by that comment. <laughs> <laughs> but 
no, I mean it's the same I way. I, I didn't. I, I have been trying. Last week was 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 a mess. I was not getting home last week until eight o'clock at night. I swam my laps every single day, even if it was at nine o'clock at night. Now I confess, last night I did not. Last night I got home. It was eight thirty, and I was just like, you know what? I can't. I'm going to bed. Yep. I, I mean, I just got home, went to bed. I was like, I'm done. Um, but fully intend this evening. <laughs> it's going to happen. Good. You can swim some for me too. I'm, I'm, I'm going to do it. I'm going to do it. Uh, I even somehow on Sunday, despite our marathon day on Sunday, managed to at seven o'clock at night, eight o'clock, whenever it was, I was home. I did. I got, I got in 30 minutes. I was like, I'm going to do my 30 minutes. Yeah. And, and I did it you know, and so, immediately went to bed. So you'll but, re this will resonate with you too. So I, I frequently, before leading chapel with a preschool, will grumble. Yes. And every single time I'm done chapel, I feel so much better. Yeah. Like it's something about the kids and just in, engaging, interacting with the kids. It's like. You enjoy it. Man, it's like, man, I, I got to figure, I got to, you know, I got to go take the, you know, a, a heavy text that doesn't fit with kids, Right. Like some of the texts we've had lately, like, how am I going to go talk to the kids about Abraham sacrificing his son? Because we try and follow our lectionary just so we're not like doing multiple, yeah. you know, multiple layers of work. Um, and it also helps the kids you know, gain some, gain some biblical cool. literacy. Um, and how they, the and they, how actually, the stories all fit together. Yeah. And they're actually yeah. really, the stuff they pick up is really amazing. Um, and every time I leave chapel after doing chapel with the kids, I'm like, dude, that was awesome. Like, I know I get frustrated and, and, and you know, kind of bellyache about, you know, going to do it and preparing for it, mostly because the subject matter isn't always fun to try and put in, into kid terms. But then you go hang out with the kids and do chapel. It's like, oh, wait a minute. That was, like, really awesome. Yeah. Um, so, but my point being, you know, now, yeah, is, is that sometimes God calls us to do things that we really don't want to do. And, and there can be two outcomes. There can be, it winds up being this, this, this blessing. Um, Yep. In so many ways. And other times it can be costly. And yeah. you know, there there's there can be a price that, that is that is paid and that is a heavy, heavy price. Yeah. Um and God calls us to do both. Um both to kind of do some of the sacrifice, you know, the sacrificial work that is gonna cost us time, money, careers, etc. Um, and also calls us to do things that are going to be huge blessings in our lives. And sometimes things that cost us wind up being blessings. I was going to say, that was the other thing I was going to say. Sometimes the things that, you know, we, we, we don't see as blessings at the time yep. become blessings. Again, and we talked about, we touched on this, you know, in our, in our preparation for this coming week in our, in our staff, staff text study, um, and I think I said, I think I said it this way. It's almost like God is really smart. It's almost like God knows what he's doing. It's almost like God is like, Hey, I kind of got this figured out, you know? And I talked, I touched on this a little bit with confirmation, confirmation this week, you know, Miss Amy was talking about, um, honor thy, honor thy mother and father and, and the wisdom of that. And I said, you know, here's the thing, kids. Like, so parents, listen up. Like, we're, we we got your back. Um, so listen, you know, like, as it's been there, done that. Like, as a parent, like, I'm not perfect. I didn't live a perfect life. A lot of the things that you guys are screwing up, we've already screwed up, and we're trying to avoid having someone that we love and care for make the same mistakes. Go through the same. And then you go, oh, my parents are so lame, and blah blah blah. blah. And every kid thinks their parents lame. So I've always said, I think like, humanity but, but, in general, we go through this process of um, that life in general is kind of an evolutionary process of, of growing and changing and going from, you know, that our relationship with God is all about how we eventually get to a point where we're like, oh, maybe God knows what he's doing. Right. Maybe, maybe, you know, we do need to just trust God because maybe God knows better than I know. Yeah. But 
It's so hard. We're too much like a kid. We're, you know, this is what I think this is why God calls us children. Right. Because <laughs> not just because we're, we are, quote, his children, but because we also behave like children. Yep. Um, we continue to do things that children do when it comes to God. Yep. And it's the I know better. Yep. And that's kind of what's going to, this This will lead into our, our text for um, what's coming up this this weekend where, and and, and God's, pronouncement of judgment being okay fine have it your way if this is how you want to do things this is not how i want you to do it but if that's how you want to do it fine have it your way let's see how this goes we know how it's going to go but that's that's what happens in terms of when they decide um instead of being this loose system of of judges and whatever they go to become king you know they, they want a king um to head them up and god's like not what I want for you. I don't recommend it. Don't recommend it because guess what? All these other nations, they've done it and you found that really oppressive and now you want that and... Maybe that's not so good. But you know what? Have it your way. You do you. You do you. Have it your way. Just like Burger King. Yep. So... Have it your way is a great slogan for a burger. It's not so great for for faith. Correct. And, and, living, and living out your your communal life in, in society is not necessarily the best way to, to go about it. So go to Burger King, order your burger your way, but live your life Jesus' way. How's that? That is a wonderful note to end on. Wow, how about that? Wisdom. Right. Okay, thanks for joining us. We will talk to you next week as we talk about the anointing of David. Woohoo! Woohoo! See you next time. Bye, everybody. Bye. Bye.